Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So, if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi, this is Ray McLennan, and uh, I'm here with... Nigel T. Best. Morning, Ray. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. Yeah, good morning. Uh, morning. I, and we I have can't believe guest, We have a guest this morning, and it's Mr. Dan Eaton. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, hey. Ray. Good morning, Nigel. How are you both? Absolutely tickety-boo. Thank you very much. How are you? Excellent. Oh, I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, really good. <clears throat> so glad, to, great. glad to be here as well, so thanks for having me on. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. We're doing a series of... Uh, of um, interviews and we couldn't interview uh, do a series of interviews without interviewing you Dan tell us a bit about your uh, journey what do you do what where do you get your money yeah I mean we're we've done we've 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 dragged you on um we've made you rearrange uh, your setup um you know we've made you sit in a, a comfortable position uh, <clears throat> and now we're going to grill you oh, right. we're going to grill you and find out everything about Dan Eaton uh, and why people uh, should be listening because there's some valuable lessons in here, folks. Some very valuable lessons all about how to raise money. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you a little bit of a backstory about where I've what I've come from, absolutely, and then uh, we can we can see we can delve into some of those lessons because I know that I have learnt lots uh, through my journey so far. So uh, if I take you back, maybe three years, 2017, that's, that's sort of where my property journey started. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, I was in the corporate world, and prior to that, I was in the Royal Navy. So that's my potted history. And okay, okay. Uh, hang on, hang on. on, we forgot to ask. We forgot to ask. We've had someone from the Navy. Navy before a few episodes ago. Uh, I found out he was a chief petty officer. Um, what were you then, Dan? I was also a chief petty officer, yes. Oh, well, there's two a penny, aren't they, Ray? They're two a penny. Two we a, need some apples well. or something like that, don't we? <laughs> hey, what's going on here? Chief <laughs> petty officer on what, doing what? Uh, on various platforms, doing various jobs. To be honest, Nigel. So uh, oh, communications right. okay. was the communications was the key, and uh, just uh, basically went wherever I was required. Um, well, you know, thank so you very much. Go somewhere, and off I went. <laughs> that was just how it worked. And in some ways, that's why uh, why I, I left. You know, when my family turned up, uh, it was no longer the life for me. I think there's a song in there somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, it was um, it was. Well, when when my family turn up. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, no, no, yeah. <laughs> you, you hum it. I'll sing it. No. That's okay, <laughs> song. Got the piano in the background. It's fine, uh, but uh, yeah. So you know, when they turned up, it was time for me to to change uh, roles. You know, to, to change um, to you know, instead of being sort of going away the time, not spending time with the family. It was time to uh, to spend more time at, at home. You know, with the kids as they were growing up, and uh, so I joined the corporate world, thinking I'd spend more time at home with the kids as they were growing up. And it turned out that wasn't the case either. I was, uh, I was, no. uh, you know. A lot of shaking of heads. Yeah, yeah, a lot of shaking, shaking of heads. heads. <laughs> yeah. The only Sent thing is the, uh, the office doesn't float around on the sea. That's the only no. thing. No, but they do tend to move around the UK. <laughs> so oh, I see, so yes. spending to, you know, time in various different locations in the UK. Uh, and even if I wasn't, I was, uh, I was working late around here or I was working at home and uh, still not spending time with the kids, you know, be sort of finishing proposals or bids and sort of shouting them out of the study and all that sort of thing. It's just like, well, this, this is not exactly what I was supposed to be doing. But I didn't realise at the time, didn't realise it, just because uh, it became normal. You know, my wife as well, she was in there, she left and uh, she was working for the NHS. 
And I think this year we have again been reminded how valuable the NHS are and uh, and the people who work there. Um, and it, but it does take its toll, you know. It's going to take its toll on a lot of people this year. It takes its toll on a lot of people every year. And unfortunately, in 2017, my wife was one of the persons who had, you know, the weight of everything and and no goodness. You know, so she was running a couple of NHS departments. So was seeing all the bad side of things, you know, the the budget cuts, the shortage in funding, the shortage of staffing, the you know the bed short, all of the the downsides. Um, she was seeing all that and and trying to solve those problems which was, you know, in some ways unsolvable. And that took its toll. Uh, but she battled on through and she, uh, you know, she did the best she could. She uh, managed to get promoted, which then brought more um, and more of that bad stuff with it. Um, she got a new office, actually, when she got promoted. And uh, unfortunately, the office that she was allocated was basically on a corridor. And at one end of the corridor was a lift. And at the other end of the corridor was the morgue. So not only was she seeing all the bad side of things, you know, in uh, in the day-to-day running, the only sort of interaction she ever had with anyone was when they were unfortunately wheeling someone who didn't um, come out of, of hospital. So that really, really took its toll. So February 2017, uh, Vicky, my wife's crying in the bathroom um, about, you know, the possibility of facing another day in that environment. And, uh, and I just said, that's it. Just, just put your notice in. Just quit. We'll just figure it all out. So she did, you know, by 10 o'clock, the notice was in. By lunchtime, it was accepted. And then we were like, right, now what? Um, uh, you know, was that Yeah, what? I was only kidding. I was only kidding. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, you doing? Uh, there, there was, I'll be honest. There was a moment of like, ooh, I didn't actually think you'd do it. But okay, <laughs> good. I'm glad you have. You know, <laughs> we'll now figure yeah. this out. Okay, so, now you figure it out. I said yeah. we, but you figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. What's your plan now, darling? Yeah, no, that wouldn't have gone very well, would it? <laughs> um, well, that, yeah. that, that is a... a a really courageous step um and i think mm. that attitude of um just do it and we'll figure it out sometimes people just do it and then just sit back and never figure things out so i'm hoping this story goes the right way or yeah. i'll be editing this podcast yeah you'll have to it? yeah well, i think start, it will i think okay. it will let's hear yeah yeah thank you daniel yeah goodbye <laughs> yeah. um well i think you're right there actually Nigel. there's a couple of things in that really so i mean a lot of people would think that's courageous and as you said some people would do it and then just not do anything with it and not make it work but i think a lot of people would think that's courageous because they they wouldn't do it you know they wouldn't oh, I'd, you know there's no way i'd do that but actually we i think one thing i have learned over the last couple of years when i've ingressed you know on this journey of well, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, entrepreneurship or you know, self-employment or madness, whatever you want to call it, um, is sometimes a lot of, well, most of the time, actually, the things that you think, go, you know, that you worry about never actually happen. So, I mean, we, you know, Vicky put a notice in, I took a different job. We effectively halved our income, uh, you know, in a very short period of time. So halved, you know, gone, you know. And I think a lot of people will be out there thinking, goodness me, if, how could I live on half of what I've been living on before? But you just have to make it work. So, you know, we got rid of all the sort of fancy cars we had. Um, we had a boat. Uh, that was another story. Uh, we had a boat. Um, there's, there's an insight into good ideas at the time scenarios. Um, <laughs> someone, we... someone once said about a boat, you really love a boat twice. When you buy once it, once when, when you, you buy it, it, once when you sell it, yeah, it's so true. <laughs> is it? Is it? It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it literally is. A boat is a hole in which you throw money. That's that's literally what it is. You know. Um, in fact, some people say it stands for bung on another thousand because whatever you think it's going to cost is going to cost you at least another thousand. So, uh, but yeah. What but yeah, was we... it? A, a six-foot rowing boat. What was no, it? No, no, it was oh. a forty-three-foot. Um, gin palace I think is what we used to call them in the navy <laughs> so it was uh yeah it was a fair fair whack of boat but uh, yeah. but a depreciating asset at you know at the end of the day so it was never going to go up in value 
And uh, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll, I've, I've come to terms with my stupidity on this one now. But I'll tell you, the, re the way we bought, bought that boat is we took money out of our house. So we took out an extra part of a mortgage of an appreciating asset to put it in a depreciating asset. I mean, I can, you know, I can say that now because I realized how stupid that is. Uh, mm. And uh, I quite happily ask people when I tell that story to shout, you idiot at me. That's fine. Uh, as I'm sure <laughs> some of you are listening. Idiot. You idiot. You what are you idiot. doing? Why are we listening to this guy? He took money out of an appreciating asset to put it in a depreciating one. Yeah, uh, I'm just, just Sal, Sal, that Christmas present of the boat, no, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. No, well, do something else. Yeah. No, it'll be really happy. I just thought I'd better get that message over <laughs> to my wife, though. You know, we don't want this boat. Yes, <laughs> we were going yeah. for a pedalo. We were well, going I'd for a deluxe pedalo. I'd still have person. one. Yeah, I'd still have one. I just wouldn't want to buy it. I think I'd want to lease one. Well, you know, it's good for yeah. people to this. You know, you can't actually learn from anyone who's never made mistakes. You know, you're going to wait a very long time to find the perfect person. So um, there's lessons in everything, you know. Yeah, that was, that was a big lesson in, for me, actually. And it was also good. So when I embarked on the, the, the property education side of things, which I'll come to in a minute, you know, a lot of the things that we were talking about in that sense of, you know, assets, depreciations, you know, uh, making sure that your lifestyle is funded by things that are going up in value, that, that really rang true to me because I'd been doing it so wrong, the wrong way for so long. That I, I could really see that ah that's where I'm going wrong you know because I just didn't I just didn't know any better. Mm. You know, but I, Dan, just just on that, you said that you borrowed money against your house, so you had equity mm. in your house. Yes. I'm guessing that was a pretty easy way to raise money, and there weren't too many questions asked as to you know what are you going to do with it. When I look back now, because um, this was what 2015, so not a long time ago. We're not talking like pre-credit crunch where you could just you know ring up self-certify and get anything. So okay. I'm told that okay. wasn't around at that yeah. point. This was 2015. We literally went into the bank and said we'd like to take some money out of. Uh, so, so we'd like to take on some additional borrowing from our house so we can buy a boat. And they went okay, fill the forms in. They did some valuations. They did desktop valuation. Um, they sent us the forms. We signed them, and then you know 100 grand landed in our bank account. It was, it was pretty, scarily easily. Yeah, pretty you know, easy stuff, isn't very it? Very easy, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I look back now and think, well, actually, you know, that would have, obviously that would have been a much better use uh, of money to put it into something like property, which is what we do now. But um, anyway, that's like I say, it's the learning curve, isn't it? The learning experience. It's your entry fee. It was yeah. my entry fee, yeah, yeah. And now, don't get me wrong, we didn't lose masses of money. In fact, what we actually did was we bought the, and this is, again, some of the lessons and how it would work. We bought a below market value, undervalued asset because we bought a British boat in France. Now, obviously, the French don't really like, well, Anything, not gonna be, British. I'm not going to be generalist. Uh, I mean, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, about, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You said that, Nigel. It's your podcast. I was like, not me. I didn't say that one. <laughs> I joke, I yeah. joke, you know, but we, well, did you have the Royal Navy insignia all over it? Is that what no. they didn't like? No, oh, they right. do, yeah, okay. the, yeah, the Royal Navy don't like you doing that, uh, unfortunately. No, no probably sure. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> not, not, not proper, as uh, as one would say. So, uh, yeah, but it, what so, it was. Uh, it yeah, was, how, how um, was this valued? How was this undervalued and how did you get yeah. the value up? So basically, because it needed some work, and I'm not talking about major structural work, I'm talking about, you know, some cosmetics. And one of the main things it needed was, because it was an open top sort of sports cruiser, it needed its soft top, uh, or it's, you know, it's a tonne cover and it's canopy. It needed all that canvas replacing. Now, uh, the way that the, the French would do that is they would go around to the local um, marina shop who would supply that. They would come out, they would measure it, they would make it all by hand. 
and they would charge roughly 15 to 20,000 euros for this size of boat, that size of canopy. That's what they would charge for it. But because it was a British boat made um, just outside Peterborough, actually, it was a fair line, um, on the, the UK websites, you can actually go to the manufacturer who supplied the original covers and they've got all the templates and you can actually get the original covers made from the original manufacturer for £2,400. So it was things like that. So, you know, in, in, in France, people were looking at it going, well, I'm going to have to spend 15, 20 grand on, on the covers. So I'll take that off the asking price. Um, whereas I was going, well, okay, I know that they think I'm going to have to spend 15 grand putting on the covers. But if I just take the asking price down by 15,000 and spend two on it, then I've made a bit of money that way. So well, it's things like that we did. Uh, I also did a lot of the labor side of it myself as well, which is where I learned um, how I should have been leveraging people rather than doing it myself. You know, so polishing the side. Uh, doing all scraping all the under the anti-foul off and repainting it um, and that's again where I realized that you know this is wrong I can look back now and go what was I doing I was spending all this time you know the, the, the reason I'd left the navy was to spend time with the children and then when I wasn't working I was under the boat in a boatyard in Bristol because we brought it back from France uh, to to you know get it ready to to flip it on um, because we realized we, it was very expensive to maintain a boat that we ne never really used so it was all all wrong and I learned so much through it that I can now apply in in other businesses so but yeah all you know 2017 all that went all that changed there was a, there was a day where I had to hand in my you know my V8 sports cars I had to hand in the boat you know, it was all just went in one day it was just uh, it was pretty pretty ropey uh, but you know I, I look back at that and think well that was like you mentioned it you know the cost of entry the cost of learning uh, and then since then pretty much everything completely changed because we were spending more time with the kids because we didn't have to take them to a child minders in the morning or child minders in, after school you know before we were literally getting them up getting them to the child minders or to nursery they were spending all day there we were picking up at the end of the day from the child minders or the nursery where they'd had their tea and everything else taking them home putting them to bed and then repeating the cycle the next day so it wasn't really what you'd call living it was just i suppose existing or surviving yeah, I wonder how many families are in that position, or and the the lockdown over the the last nine months or so has really made people realise, you know, spending time at home can be a double edged sword. It can be amazing because you see so much more, but it could also be, God, I actually quite like going to work and leaving all that behind. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Did I, say, did I say that out loud? Did <laughs> yeah. I say that out loud? Oh, sorry. Yeah, there was, there was someone at my, where, when I used to work at Coffee World had on their desk, you know, a sign that said, literally, I only come to work so I can get some sleep. <laughs> that was what they thought. They had a sign on their desk about that. So, dear, dear. so yeah. uh, you're going back and forth to boatyard. You've got rid of, well, you've got rid of everything. You got rid of the boats, you got rid of the yeah. cars, and <clears throat> you've, you've certainly got the motivation to do something next. So what made you uh, choose the route that you've chosen now? Because there, there could have been many other routes you could have chosen. I'm sure you probably considered many options. Um, so how did you pick the one you picked? Well, yeah, interesting story, that one. So uh, a, a, literally a really good mate of mine, Craig Phillips, who's in the Navy, um, you know, he basically rang me up one day via a friend and said, uh, you've always wanted to get in property, Dan, because he remembers the time when we were in the Navy together and we're watching, you know, Homes Under the Hammer at Stand Easy. And uh, Stand Easy is like morning break, you know, 10, 30, 10 to 10, 30, you know, coffee and, uh, and if you're in Plymouth or generally you'd have a pasty as well. <laughs> so, so that's generally what a Stand Easy <laughs> would be. And, uh, you know, you'd watch uh, what was ever on telly and it was generally like Homes Under the Hammer. Uh, this, I think this is back in the day we only had five channels. So it was, you know, 
problems with the hammer was back then, so it was fine. <laughs> Trying to explain my kids that the, you know, the moment they only had five channels is just not not what they thought. You know, they just don't understand that. But um, yeah, so he just said, "Do you want to come to this property event?" And um, I, I did. You know, September 2017. Like you say, Ray, it was. You know, we'd been through a massive change. The, you know, we were sat there thinking there must be another way. But also, what we'd found is we were we were a lot. Uh, closer as a family because we were spending a lot more uh, quality time together so we got rid of everything so you know when I say half the income it was hard work you know we'd, we'd gone from having you know nice fresh food delivered to the door to well you know whatever we could get in the you know, reduced aisle in the supermarket you know I think one of the memories that sticks out to me was the reduced Ginster's pasty meal, um, you know, which was literally the Ginster's pasties that were in the reduced food section because they were out of date that time. You know, that, that's that's what we started looking at and living on. You know, the food turned a lot browner rather than greener. But I can't complain about that because there are people in far worse situations. And, uh, and, you know, we kept the house over our heads. We never had any problems with that. We never defaulted on any debts. We just had to massively change our lifestyle. So when when Craig invited me to that property event, I thought, well, yeah, let's go and have a look at this. Then there, um, you know, this might be the other other way, a different way, the you know the the way that we're looking at in terms of um, doing something different. So you were at the event. Did you go to the event with your wife or just yourself? No, just me, um, because it was a week. It was over a weekend. And we had the kids, so uh, so I just went and um, and basically not unilaterally decided because that's not the right way. But I, I was listening to the. The, the speakers talk about the different property strategies and one of the things that really well there's two there's two things two big things that came out of that for me first one was that there's no real secret to doing you know property investments or property developments or anything like that it's just a it's a process and it's a piece of knowledge that I didn't have okay so you don't know what you don't know I didn't know that that's what it was uh, so that was the, the sort of the big big uh, reveal the second one which was the most important one was that you didn't need your own money to do it okay now the things that people were talking about at that event made perfect sense to me because I'd done it all in the corporate world so when I was in that corporate world I was working with big companies doing deals with other big companies so literally we were talking about you know contracts we're talking about agreements we were talking about literally two parties just agreeing to some terms and then some solicitors join up some paperwork then someone signs it which is exactly the same as any property strategy that you are thinking of potentially doing you know it is literally two people whether a buyer and a seller just agreeing to do something and then some solicitors drawing up some contracts not necessarily originally as intended or as quickly as you'd like or for the price that you'd want but we'll come on to that another time uh, and then you know both parties will sign them and that's and that's pretty much exactly what it was so there's two massive reveals for me was you know nothing there's nothing special here nothing secret it's just knowledge I didn't have and actually you don't need your own money to do it which was good because I didn't really have any so that was, so you decided, uh, presumably at that event, you made some decisions to dis- to to do some training. Mm-hmm. So that would have been an interesting conversation when you got home to tell your wife what you'd seen, because you now had to replicate what you'd seen and, con- yes. and almost convince her that it was a good idea. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, there was a, a number of co- phone calls throughout the event where it was, just, do you know what I've just learned? Did you know? Did you know? In fact, one of the conversations went, did you know that when we went to stay in London in that apartment, it was just a service department. It wasn't anything special. It's just someone someone probably rented it off the landlord and then put it on uh, Airbnb for the evening. You know, it was like, oh, right, okay. Now, I, you know, th- those conversations had happened, you know, uh, through that through that event weekend. And uh, yeah, I didn't go into too much detail about what was all the stuff because, you know, you want to overwhelm 
and like you say, it's very difficult to try and replicate th- you know, three days worth of solid uh, information that you've never heard before over a, over a half an hour phone call. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but there were certain certain conversations throughout the weekend. Yeah. Good. What was uh, your wife's reaction to that? Was she excited or was she thinking, whoa, 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 back on out? That sounds like a cult. Um, <laughs> you know, just be careful. Just be careful. Come on home. Which way yeah. did it go? Um, so I don't think it wasn't so much the, the cult thing, um, but there was a, an element of, well, what is this? You know, because it was it was it was not a world we'd been into before. You know, having um, uh, you know having the the concept of a, a company that would you know train you in doing property education, it just didn't it didn't seem like that was something we'd ever come across before. Uh, you know, it's not something that you know we'd all been both raised traditionally in the in the way that you would go to school you'd learn a vocation you'd go to college or uni i mean i dropped out of college and went to join the navy but uh, vicky went on to university and then you go and get a job in that field or you you know use those skills elsewhere so you know the fact that there was an, a training organization outside of that that was something other than you know mainstream education was a little bit of a, of a weird concept having said that back in earlier on in that year when we were looking at what we were going to be doing and Vicky was going to be looking at what she was going to be doing we did come across a uh, forex trading company training company so we went and listened to one of their seminars um, and Vicky went and did one of their sort of discovery events taster events and a training day so you know the concept of other education had sort of started to land but we still not really grasped the concept of it being a a thing Mm. Yeah, and I, I'm guessing if your circumstances hadn't changed, uh, you would never have been looking in this direction either. You'd have exactly kept on walking, that. kept on walking by, looking for the traditional solution. So yeah, I suspect we'd probably be divorced by now. I think that's what you know. That was what would have happened. You know, we'd have, we'd have been divorced, miserable, uh, and uh, I'd be living in a one-bedroom flat somewhere, following my corporate career around. I suspect. Mm. And and it was all from a recommendation. Yes, yes. What strategy did you decide upon then when you left? Because there are many of them. Um, you know, we need to go into them in detail, but there are a number. And mm. one is usually people get drawn to one or another. Which one were you drawn to, and why? So yeah, so I started with what's known as service accommodation, which is literally providing short-term accommodation out of residential property. And the reason I went and chose that strategy was was a couple of reasons, really. So firstly, the trainer at the event, Kevin Paneskas, who was talking about the service accommodation, he was in the army. Uh, and I joke about this because we have a bit of banter with Kevin now, some really good friends, uh, that, uh, well, if he was in the army and could be successful in property and in life, well, then, you know, I was in the Navy, so clearly uh, I could do it. So there was definitely an element of that. Excuse me, I resemble that. <laughs> I was in the army as well. Well, there you go, you see. So the, that's a prime example. You're a living example, Ray, of how anyone can do this because you can. So, <laughs> if you're in the army, and and an officer, Kevin was only a senior. Yes, he was only a warrant. Yeah, he was only a senior warrant officer. He was a warrant officer, wasn't he? Yeah. So yeah, he could do it. Bloody hell. Yeah. Well. So yeah. So I joke with him about that one. Um, but the other thing that uh, drew me to that strategy was. Um, I'd stayed in those units, you know, as I, as I mentioned on the phone calls with, to Vicky, you know, uh, we'd stayed in them as a family when we like maybe visited London. I'd stayed in them when I was working away from home and just different different places around the country. I, I understood the concept from a user's point of view. 
Um, so it just made sense that that was one of the things that we'd look to do to start with. The, I mean, the other side of it, the more practical side of it, is we, we live in Cheltenham. Uh, capital values in Cheltenham are quite high. Uh, we didn't have any money. Uh, and although I'd grasped the concepts, like I said, at that event of not needing my own money, needing other people's money, I wasn't sure at that point how it was going to work in terms of other people's money because I didn't think I knew the network. So, so we pumped on that as a starter, uh, built that service accommodation company up, still got it today, still runs, my wife runs a lot of it now, actually, Vicky runs a lot, um, and uh, the teams, so you know, it's not like she's sat 24 hours a day running service departments, but uh, we've got a couple of teams, we've got call centers, we've got some VAs, we've got a lot of outsourced stuff, um, so that still runs in the background, but you know, that, was, um, that was where we started, that got me out of, out of the day job. Um, so I was able to leave the corporate world and then concentrate on what what I class as the biggest stuff, which is the, the sort of converting commercial property into residentials or the property developments, the new builds, that side of the business. So has um, so, so you said it allowed you to leave the day job. How long did it take, and uh, what's your quality of life like now? Yeah. So um, so this so we started that event was at September 2017, and I left my job on the 26th of July 2019. So it was. 18 months something like that mm-hmm. uh, so, well, that's yeah. quite quick and even you know even for someone in the navy that's still quite quick yes <laughs> did, so you did you work out a plan and say right okay we need x number of units to replace my income and then just go out and get them or how did you go about that how did you strategize it yeah so i'm uh, i'm more of a naturally a strategic thinker and a bit um a bit more well, a bit less detailed, let's put it that way. So although I had a strategic plan to you know, replace the income with service departments, uh, although my mentors kept telling me to write down the plan and work out the numbers and work it out to the nth detail, that's not really what I'm good at. So I'll have a go at it and I think it would be about this and I think it'd be about that. But it, it didn't ever really materialize that way. You know, I, I knew that we needed to expand and to grow the business to get the income in and that we needed the operation side of it to make it to make it run smoothly and reduce costs and, and, and therefore increase margins. So that that understood and worked. Uh, and Vicky's brilliant at the operation side of things. So she's really good at the the more detailed aspect, the more, um, you know, the, the operation side of it. So it worked really well in terms of I do some strategic stuff, basically go and make some deals, get some uh, units, uh, build some platforms, and then it'd almost get handed over to, to Vicky to make it actually work so we'll give her a lot of credit for that because she she doesn't really get that much credit really i don't think but uh, she she definitely makes it all sing and work so uh, if she's listening uh, thank you vicky you're brilliant um, <laughs> yeah, th- yeah thank you because you've probably just doubled our audience as well so thank you very much all oh, right thank okay yeah we'll get vicky on to it in a minute um so with those <laughs> Yeah, you can Vicky on next week. She'll tell you yeah, how the story from her side. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so we, I mean, in terms of doing those, in terms of building that business, we we started off with a, a rent to rent model. So we we were renting properties in a sense, you know, taking other people's properties. We were then putting them onto the likes of Airbnb and Booking.com. So we needed very little capital input at that point. So that worked really, really well in building up the business and then getting the cash flow in to then leave the day job. And then I was able to move on to the, the development projects, the bigger development projects. So our, our, you know, back to your question, Ray, our, our standard of life, our standard of living, completely different. You know, we spend a lot more time with the kids, spend a lot more time as a family. We don't have to worry about uh, work. I mean, I'll give you a prime example of that. February this year, before we had all the chaos and all the lockdowns, you know, uh, kids were on February 
you know, half term or whatever it is. And uh, I think the Thursday before they were off on the Friday, uh, we just thought, well, you know, should we just go away for the week next week? Oh, well, well, yeah, we haven't got to worry about taking time off work. We haven't got to worry about who's got annual leave and who hasn't. We'll just go. So we just literally just booked somewhere. I went to Paris for the week, you know, uh, booked the flights, whatever was available, not, not too much of an issue. Stayed in an apartment, yeah, whatever's available, not too much of an issue and just had a fantastic week in Paris. Uh, and that's the type of thing that we, we're able to do now because we don't have to worry about booking annual leave how we're going to pay for for those types of things uh what the kids are going to be doing you know you don't have to worry about any of that it's just uh, it just becomes a, a very very different lifestyle you know i can talk to you guys this morning and uh not have to worry that i'm late for anything or that i've got to rush off for for work i can just pretty much do most of the things i want to do when i want to do them very, I have to very different. Ask you a question yourself and your wife presumably you trade through a limited company mm-hmm. so you're both directors of the company yes did you have a board meeting in Paris? Yeah, well, we, we, yeah, my accountant's a little hot on that one. <laughs> we had some some aspects uh, were business. Did, did, yes, you, did you search property me. in Paris? <laughs> well, I did some mentoring calls as well, actually, while I was there. So that's the other thing that's going to because again, the technology. You know, uh, we the, the business all runs themselves, but you can check in. We've got an internet connection, and uh, I did some mentoring calls in a similar in a similar way that we're talking this morning. You know, just uh, just well, over, over to internet. Safe to say that that was a legitimate business expense. Yes, yeah, indeed, yeah. <laughs> With so, all the French wine it, at the same time. Dan, then you you yeah. you got kind of a base level of income coming in from the service yeah. accommodation. Um, Vicky's, you know, doing ninety nine percent of the work. Uh, it's about time you <laughs> pulled your finger out. Yeah. Uh, but you're looking then at a different property strategy, commercial to uh, residential conversions yes. and new new build developments. Okay. That is a whole different ball game. You're going to be um, having to arrange all sorts of things there for for getting development finance, you know, purchase finance, um, and all the rest of it. So uh, I take it that's all gone smoothly. Uh, Would I be right? You absolutely, you are absolutely right that that has gone as as smooth as it ever could. No, uh, no it didn't go <laughs> smoothly. I don't think. All I right. don't. I don't know what. Um, I don't think anything. I don't think anything worth anything is smooth. Uh, go smoothly but yeah I, I decided that we were going to uh, start you know diversifying the business and I'd start focusing on the commercial to residential development um, and okay. a lot of people are, are scared of doing that because of there's a perception around the amount of money that's required you know so we're talking about doing million pound deals here we're talking about you know the properties are worth millions of pounds when they're done and uh, that scares people because it's a big number and there's a, a mis, uh, misconception that you need millions of pounds to do that. You know, you need millions of pounds to do millions of pounds for deals. And that's that's not strictly true. Although you might need hundreds of thousands of pounds to do these deals, it doesn't have to be your hundreds of thousands of pounds. And that was, again, this back to this big light bulb moment that I didn't need my own money to do these deals. I just needed someone's money. Uh, and, okay. you know, so who, how did you find that person? And how did you, how did the conversation go? So a lot of people listening to the podcast sort of go, well, that all sounds great, but actually, how do you find these people? And then when you do, what do you say? Because if, if you come in from a background of, of no experience, the biggest doubt in people's mind is always, I'm not worthy. No one will believe in me. I've got no track record. We talk about the Crest model and the credibility. I have no credibility. What, uh, you know, what conversations did you have to try and overcome that? Yeah, it's a great, that's a great question, actually, Nigel. So 
you're right. There's lots of people out there who, who and I, I work with people actually on that in terms of their confidence. You know, like, well, why would people invest in me? Well, so, well, for the first thing is if you can't answer that question, then you're going to have to go through a process yourself to, to work through that because you, you need to be believing yourself before others will believe in you. So there's, there's an element of that. Um, but because people had told me in the same way that they had told me um, that you could do service accommodation, you could borrow someone's property and put it online, the same way that they told me that you, you know, this is a strategy and it's just knowledge, I just treated the ability of raising funds, raising money, raising angel investment, you know, whatever you want to call it, I treated that in the same way. Uh, I was told that you could do it and that you just needed to go out there and do it. Now, it was the same people who told me this um, that had told me other things that had come true. So I had no reason to doubt it. I had no reason to believe that it wasn't possible. So I just went with a, uh, an approach and a mindset that said, well, this is possible. People who I know have done it, have told me they have done it. I've seen it. Therefore, I'm just going to go and do it. So it was a case of literally building a, a network. Uh, and it wasn't specifically targeted as a network of, of people who, who I thought had money. It was just a case of just building a network. We're talking property, about property being a people business. So I like talking to people, uh, particularly about property, you may have gathered. Uh, so you know, if I'm just talking to people about property and building my network that way, then it, it sort of naturally just fell out of that, that people I was talking to, some of them had money. And some of the conversations went along the lines of, oh, I'm just looking at this, this big deal at the moment. Um, uh, I was looking at this big deal at the moment. It's looking good. Uh, there could be some really decent profit margins in it. I just need to find some some funds to put in it. You know, that it could be just a simple conversation like that with someone in my network. And they might turn around and said, oh, well, I've got some funds available to put in. How much do you need? And let's have a conversation about it. Or it might have been a conversation that went, um, oh, that sounds really interesting. I know so-and-so is looking to put some money into something. Maybe you should connect with them. And it's just literally conversations like that that just led to more conversations which led to people putting money into property deals with me you know it, it was it's it was as simple as that okay that is the face-to-face -face conversations that we were all enjoying pre-lockdown yeah. and pre-covid how uh, how has everything uh, changed or has it changed in terms of having those conversations and building those relationships when you can't meet someone as easily face-to-face yeah, it's been it's been a little bit difficult this year in in continuing that. And the deals that we've been doing this year are the ones we sort of set up at the beginning of the year and the end of last year. So they were all all okay. But as we started getting to the end of uh, this year with our new sort of deals coming through, it's been really difficult because we haven't had those networking events. We haven't had those conversations. We've new people to expand our networks. So in some ways, we've been relying on our existing pot of investors, which have been brilliant. You know, by the way, they've been absolutely brilliant, the, the, the current crop of investors. Um, and it's, it's getting to the stage now where we're, we're looking forward to being able to go and talk to more people to bring in um, more networks and more investment later on. But there are things, you know, we can do. So I've done a number of podcasts uh, which have led to some conversations uh, we've got a lot more social media going out now talking about this a lot more and that's leading to some uh, some potential conversations some leads but you know you still need to do um, the networking i mean i did a facebook post on it uh, recently actually about um I went to my, my daughter's hockey tournament at the weekend and it was absolutely hammering it down and freezing cold and rain. And uh, I just got talking to one of the other uh, hockey dads, as now is the term known. And uh, it turns out they were a wealth manager who've got uh, a lot of clients who've got problems with property. So we're meeting in the new year to talk about their problems and if there's anything we can do to, to help with that. 
Uh, and I think that also helps as well, coming from a point of servitude as well. So if we can help people with their problems, whether it be property problems or their funding problems or their money problems, or they've got too much money in the bank and they don't want to do with it, then, you know, we can help out with that. Absolutely. Yeah, interesting. So you're almost uh, the sort of the conduit of, of people looking to invest and uh, you're raising money is actually giving them a solution where they're probably sat there with uh, very poor returns in the in these days of uh, low interest rates um, and just giving a, a different way of thinking about it so yeah cool that's pretty good Ray I mean uh, so um, it's, so you're, you're... I, I can't believe Ray I can't believe that Dan has just waltzed through this you know as easy as everything there's got, there's got to be there's got to be a bit of a shocker there's got to be a, a late night you know, wobble, there's got to be an early morning, wake up with sweaty palms moment, or are you going to prove me wrong, Dan? Have you, have uh, you had those? Life, oh, is going, life is going to chuck you a few, you know, a few yeah. balls. I mean, people say to me, say, how do you sleep? You know, and sometimes you have one of those nights and you say, yeah, I slept like a baby. I woke every half hour screaming. Um, <laughs> was it one of those? So absolutely i've had those moments and uh you know they're like like i said earlier you know this this is not this isn't uh easy stuff uh, in some ways it's simple because it's a simple process and exactly as you described there nigel there are people out there with money in their bank accounts that is not earning any interest and you know if if we're to believe the way we're heading we'll soon be costing them money in terms of negative interest and that's a problem for them so we can help with that but it's not easy Okay, it's not easy to to find those people. It's not easy to um, to to structure a deal. It's a simple process, but it's not easy. Um, so you've got to keep at it. But then, like I said before, if anything in life, what is what what is worth anything in life? It's probably a better way of saying this. But you know, what uh, if anything's worth anything? Then it's going to be hard work. Okay, so you know, if it's not, then it's probably not worth much. So um, if it's your life that you're building, it's worth something. Yeah, and I think there's this theme coming through again, Ray. We've spoken about it before, but people from a military background, the fact that obstacles are going to be in your way is to be expected. Whereas I think probably the larger general public, if an obstacle comes in their way, they just collapse and, uh, and, and fall at that very first obstacle. And I think there must be something about that training that goes in that says, this is going to go wrong. That's going to happen. You weren't expecting this, but that's going to blindside you. And your job is to keep a cool head and keep going forward. And, you know, I've asked this question before, Dan, maybe, um, maybe you can answer it. But what is that training and how could we teach other people that? Oh yeah, I was actually talking to someone very recently uh, last week about this. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a discipline thing. Um, not that I'm the most disciplined person in the world, but you know, there's a certain element of institutionalization uh, that that happens. So you're in the military. When you're in the military, you are literally the, the military have got a really good way of doing things, and that is basically they have a, a process for everything, and the process is designed that the the you know the I don't know what's the polite way of putting it. The most stupid person ever could follow that process. That's the way they design their processes mainly. So. Idiot proof. Is that, is that what yeah. You mean? yeah. So we have the term noddy guide. That was a, that was a term in the name. Where's the noddy guide? And it was, you know, the guide of how to do everything. You know, various different. Like, how how do we turn this computer on? Where's the noddy guide? Here's the noddy guide for turning the computer on. And that's that's the way that they do things. So as part of that military in, indoctrination, you are literally 
taught how to do things. You are taught that uh, there is a process. Someone teaches you the process. And then you don't start there thinking in your own mind, do you know what? That's very good. I really like the way I've been taught this. Um, but for me, I think I'll just do it different way. It just doesn't, you just don't do that. You know, that's not how, how you are almost taught to think. You are taught to do what the, uh, what the person has taught you to do. Now, that's not to say that, you know, we're all a bunch of lemmings and do everything that, that is, is said, but you have this baseline of process of instruction. And then what you will do on top of that is you will exercise and you will drill and you will test and you will see what happens, basically. So you will test all those procedures and processes. You will have uh, drills. You will have, uh, you know, false emergencies. You will do lots and lots of practice. Um, you know, and you'll do lots of practices in different scenarios in different places to implement those processes. So they become just natural. Uh, and then, you know, on the side of that, you'll have the, the sort of the leadership and the management training to, to help you as you progress up the ranks, train and lead others in, in those sorts of fields. So you come with that background into this world. Now, I went down the property education route. So I, I had someone who told me what to do. And then I had uh, the likes of, of Ray, you know, as, as a mentor to help me understand, uh, you know, the money side of things. So you just put the two together and just go and do what you're told to do, uh, expecting that you're going to be tested and that all these bumps in the road are just problems to be solved. And you just rely on the 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 process, the instruction that you've got in the background and your attitude to this is just a bump in the road to be overcome and you just, just work on it. And that, that, that seems to be, that's definitely how I approach it. It's just a series of problems. They just seem to get bigger as you get bigger deals. I think the military also teaches adaptability. You know, you have to adapt and you have to change. You have to improvise. You've got to resolve yeah. the problem. In the teaching and training and the, the exercises that you go through, you mentioned there are false emergencies. Uh, so they do chuck them in and force you to take a step back and then write and think, right, okay, well, how can I resolve this? Uh, and then there's also an element of perseverance, resilience, because you can't give up. You can't just say, well, I can't resolve it. Imagine turning around to the training training staff and saying, well, I don't know how to do this. I can't resolve it. They'd boot you up the arse, you know. Yeah. You, 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 there'd be someone there who would say, okay, you need to think about it a bit more. What about this? What about this? And then suddenly, ping, hey, I've got it. So, yeah, there's a lot of comparisons between, between the two that's there. So um, adaptability, uh, resourcefulness, improvising. Can you give us a specific recent Oh, yeah, example? I can. Yeah, recent example. Recent example of a deal, uh, deal that we were, we were uh, going to be, well, I mean, this is the, the way that the year has gone a little bit. So this was a, a project. It's a, a, it was a care home into 12 flat conversion, purchase price of a million pounds. So uh, we agreed to buy that back in January of 2020. Uh, in March, we were about to exchange contracts. We had an investor lined up. We had all the funding lined up to, to, uh, to buy the building and then convert it into 12 flats. And then uh, I think we were due to exchange on something like the 18th of March, something like that. But our investor was European-based. And because of everything that's going on in Europe with COVID, they, they basically said, look, I think we just need to hold off on this. I'm not sure I can do this with everything that's going on. Obviously, back at that time, there's a lot of fear. We were going to be locked down. We were going to be in another credit crunch. We were going to have all these problems. Anyway, obviously, the week later, we did lock down. So we didn't exchange contracts on that one. And we, we basically communicated with the vendor throughout the summer. Um, and we still had the deal on the table, which was fine. Then we had to think about a new way of funding it because our investor had, had pulled out and wasn't um, interested in investing in the UK property market for the time being. 
So we found some uh, another investor. That was all good. And then two days before we were supposed to complete, back in August, they pulled out their £250,000 worth of investment because they didn't like the paperwork that the senior lender, uh, the, the development lender, was asking them to sign. So the fact, the fact we'd been telling them for six months they'd have to sign this paperwork. We had it all in the legal agreements. We had to sign this paperwork. They were like, yeah, we'll sign it. We'll sign it. We'll sign it. Not a problem at all. And then two days before we were supposed to complete, uh, that was it. They pulled out. We're not going to sign it. So 250 grand to find in two days. That was a challenge. Um, but as you say, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Uh, what I did was um, panic. No. Um, I, looking back, I think I handled it fairly well, actually. But um, there was a moment of like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to solve this problem? You know, it's not an insurmountable problem to solve. Uh, it might some people might sit sitting out there listening thinking that that sounds like a problem that you'd never solve but it, it's not an insurmountable problem to solve what was problematic was the time frame um, you know trying to find 250 grand of fresh investment in that time frame that was the difficult part uh, but you know went out for lunch with some investors uh, they didn't invest but they, they would have done but they weren't liquid um, so went out for lunch with some investors but and again you know these are the things that that help build relationships with people so they are investors who are looking to put money into a deal at a certain time and a certain criteria. So I know that now, so we can we can work on something for them later on. Um, and just went out for lunch, showed them um, some of our sites, showed them what we we're doing, and then in, basically got back that evening and sort of hit the phones, hit the, the messages, uh, asking, you know, telling everyone what happened, basically, and then asking if anyone knew anyone who wanted to help or uh, could we do this, could we do that? And then sure enough, people said, oh, well, I, I you know, uh, my dad's got 100 grand. He'd be all right to, to help with that for a bit. So conversations like that happened and we eventually got the money we needed to get the deal over the line not within the two days it was about a week later in the end but thankfully it wasn't the money holding up the problem the solicitors had found something to disagree on uh, i suspect one party hadn't met their quota for the the, the rates that they would quoted so they found some problems to to drag that out for a week for which bought us a little bit of time in the end but it bought us a bit of time to get the money in and we, we did we managed to get that money together uh, yeah uh, so yeah improvise adapt and overcome uh, that's what we had to do there and uh, and we did. And I, I think it's the old adage, ask and ye shall receive. Uh, I, I don't think enough people probably ask, you know, ask the question. No, it's funny. We've still got this funny society thing, haven't we, that we're brought up not to really talk about money. Uh, you know, so if you've got money, you don't talk about it. And if you if you want money, you don't talk about it because you, you've almost brought up to, oh, well, you don't you don't want to be asking for handouts. You know, you should be saving up your money for it. But it's it's. That's not the right mindset if you're going to be doing uh, these type of deals. It's not, it's not the way that the, the corporate world works. It's not the way that the banking world works. It's not those uh, who are wealthy. It's not the way that they work. It's, it's the way that, um, I suppose, society makes a certain proportion work so that they can go off and do, do their own thing. Well, I think it's you know it's difficult because obviously social media and and the mainstream media and all this do a great job because you know whenever you see a competition they never say here's a competition you can win some money and you could purchase some uh, some property that will be income producing you know they they're immediately sort of and look what you could buy a car a boat a, you know go yeah, on a holiday, holiday yeah it's just all ram 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 you know uh, and then all the adverts are all about buy you know just buy rubbish things so yeah it's, it, it is constant I know what you mean I know what you mean. No, when it comes to, 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 to raising money, the best way to raise money is to use OPM and OPT, other people's money and other people's time, which you seem to be doing a lot of because you talked about leverage there as well. Mm -hmm. So you've leveraged your wife in the sense that <laughs> she's now looking after the uh, service accommodation bit. 
Uh, are you leveraging the other side of it, the commercial conversions? Yeah, so I, I leverage a lot of that. Uh, in the same way that actually my investors are leveraging my time. So they're leveraging my time, my network, my experience, my, my uh, teams. But yeah, leveraging their money, they're leveraging my time. It's a good, good way of working, you know, like it's that win-win. But yeah, uh, I've got uh, teams of, um, of, you know, close, what I class as like a close development team, like a close development management team. So the QS, site agent, project managers, um, architects, structural engineers, they sort of fit into that core team. And then we will use that team to manage a number of developments. I mean, we've got three live sites on the go at the moment with a fourth one probably coming online in January. And then we've got another one that's, that we've purchased and ready to go in probably April time. So we've got a bit of a pipeline. We've got some deals coming through. Uh, not all funded yet. Not all, not all the funds are in place, but uh, you know, I'll not worry about that at the moment. Um, we'll, we'll figure that out as we go. We know improvise, adapt, and overcome that one as we get to them. Um, I think if I worried about everything all the time, I would, I would just, you know, implode. Um, but like I said, you know, presumably those teams you pull them together a bit like a director who's going to make a film. You know, mm -hmm. you'd, you'd say, right, we're going to make this film, or we're going to develop this property, and then you'd go out and you'd look for the people, or you'd use the core team. Presumably, you don't pay all their wages. No, not at all. They're all outsourced. So I, I've, having come from that corporate world and done a lot of work with outsourcing versus insourcing, I literally outsource everything. So don't employ anyone, but employ the services through their own uh, structures, own companies of lots of people. So I've got that core team. Yeah, but they're all, um, like you say, they're all outsourced. Excellent. Good, good. All right. Dan, so what, what, Dan, what sort of scale are these projects that you've got coming up? Just to give people an idea. Yeah, so, got, so we've got you've got this care home to uh, apartments. Yes, that's what a that's a uh, so that'll be about two and a half million pounds when it's finished. Uh, that'll be quick as well. We'll have that finished by sort of April. So that's the only reason I like the sort of commercial conversion strategies, the speed. So how quick we can do these things. So you know, on in September, take it on in September, and then finish by April for twelve apartments. Uh, then obviously sold and then cash back, etc. So that one's a two and a half. We've got um, a seven to 11 flat conversion. That's the one that's pipeline for April. That's probably a two million pound deal. And then the one working on at the moment, getting across the line is 10 houses on one street. So we're buying 10 houses on one street and they will be converted into a mixture of um, houses of multiple occupation, so HMO rooms, flats, which will probably service accommodation, some in there, and buy to lets, but also a care home uh, or a, um, we've got a housing association interested in providing affordable housing as well. So we're looking at building them a specific block to their requirements for uh, social housing. That's probably about a £6 million deal, that one. Jolly good. Very good. So uh, from, a, from a boat that was like a lead weight to £6 million developments, it's all down to a mindset, taking action, and uh, having those conversations with people. It, when you put it like that, Nigel, it, it is, yeah. It's Like I say, it's not easy, but it is fairly simple. It's talk to people, tell them what you do, uh, and help out where, where you can. Excellent. Very good. good. All righty. Well, Dan, that's been great. Uh, I think the lessons out of that are uh, adapt, improvise, and overcome. I think that is the, that's the title for the. That, that's the, the title of your podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Picked right there. And, yeah. uh, improvise, okay. adapt, and overcome. Right. Uh, so that, that's it from, from us. Thank you very much to uh, Dan. Thanks for coming on. And thanks. Uh, I yeah, have, thanks for your time, Dan. No I problem at all. Thank you very much. And he has been. Oh, hang on, are we doing it? Are we doing an ending here? I wasn't listening to you. I wasn't listening to you then. 
and then yeah. you're gonna and then you're gonna edit it all out. So it sounds yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Something like that. We normally do. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it for how to raise money podcast. Thank you for listening. I've been Ray McLennan. I'm still Nigel T. Best. Thank uh, you. I'm going to have to edit this bit. I just wanted to thank, thank you very much for having me on this morning. It's been great oh. fun. So <laughs> thank you. Oh, it's been great. Been great. Great to, be great, to hear. great to see you pull back the curtain a bit and show people a little bit about uh, you know what goes on behind the scenes. It's always always fascinating reveal and things like that. So thank you, Dan. No problem at all. Thank you very much, Nigel. Appreciate it. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Okay. That's the official part over. Although it's the ending, yeah. yeah. Normally, I would switch the recording off at this point, but Nigel likes to keep it running, so uh... we get some extra tidbits, don't you? you get the, um, the the outtakes. <laughs> the outtakes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is where I have to do some nifty editing to replace all the things that Ray uh, says before and after that should have been in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. No, no it's good. Yeah, I mean that that sounds. Um, you know, amazing stuff. It's it's one of those things that uh, I, I still find that is the biggest thing, and I'm guilty of it. Is someone says just follow these instructions, and I won't do it. You know, I'm I'm one of those people that uh, you know I think about it too much and and think, well, that doesn't make sense. If you did it this way, it'd be much easier. And my yeah. wife just she just goes mad with me because too many times she said, well especially something like cooking. Well, that's not what it says. Why don't you do what it says? Yeah. And, it, and it's kind of, well, I, I kind of thought I'd do this. So my pancake mix, I was telling you, Dan, I was making pancakes for the kids this morning. Yeah, do you, yeah. did you use the um, instructions? No, no, because the instructions are, well, I'll tip a bit of flour that looks about right, a couple of eggs and some milk. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of it. And when it looks about right, then it's ready to go. Um, my middle one, Oliver, it is, he will get the weighing scales out. And those digital weighing scales have to be precise, <laughs> absolutely precise. And that drives me mad. And when he sees me doing my way, it drives him mad. He's so, going to do well then. <laughs> he might yeah. end up winning the Navy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it still- is that, that, that military thing of, I'm going to give you an instruction and you will follow it. Yes. You know, yeah. I, I think that's that's maybe it. Maybe that's it. But no, I I, it I, it's, just a, it's the simplistic process. You know, I mean, like I say, yeah. it's not easy, but you know, Ray, uh, Ray told me I could do stuff with other people's money. So I was like, okay, Ray. And off I went and did stuff with other people's money. There you Excellent. go. Perfect. Good example. Okay. All right. Um, I have a All right. Call. Nice one, Dan. No worries. Better go. But thank you for that. No worries. Yeah. Sweet. All season. right. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Bye, Bye Dan. Cheers. So there we go, Ray, another military person, another Navy guy. Um, we're going to have to change our theme tune to In the Navy, Silver Seven Seas, uh, or whatever it is. But, but keep coming back to it, this military style of doing things. Here's some instructions. Follow them. And if, uh, if things go wrong along the way, you do this, 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 and this. And this is the attitude you've got to have. It's... Um, you know, you rarely see anyone who's got a military background who does not take action. You know, too many people we talk to, they just sit around expecting it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas those those guys, those men and women just say, well, it's only going to happen if I make it happen. 
Yeah. And and someone's told me what I've got to do. So get out of my way because I'm doing this. And, you know, zero to uh, six million pound deals. That's pretty good going, isn't it? That's quite a short space of time as well. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So there you go. Although it sounds like he's got a keeper there with the wife. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Never upset your ops manager. She's de- oh exactly she's detailed and she can get it done that's brilliant yeah yeah and he's just swanning off having meals chatting to people exactly yeah, yeah. so right um, we're coming up to the end of the year mm-hmm. uh, next year we've already done our podcast edition for predictions yep. but we'll also um, what do you th- what do you think um, who are we going to go for next you know have we got any big big hitters lined up or are we going to keep those secret and reveal those in the new year. Uh, no, we have a few actually. We've got uh, a couple of a couple. Uh, I'm waiting for them to complete first uh, because we don't want to talk about you know oh we're doing this and we're doing that. We want to be able to say right this is what we've just done and it's yep. done and the ink is dry. Yep. That's what I want to wait on. Um, one of the biggest deals we will ever have been involved in um, should complete in February. So we will talk about that once it completes. This is the one that I've chatted to you about several times. I don't know if you have. This is a biggie. But, uh-huh. um, but there's, there, no, there's a lot of good stuff in the pipeline. There's still a lot of money out there. You know, as as um, Dan was saying, there's a lot of people with a lot of money sitting in the bank getting nothing for it, and they might even be going into negative uh, equity. And the yep. construction area, the construction market, has not been hit as bad by this whole lockdown. They've still allowed construction workers to carry on. Um, so... You've also got a situation where a lot of people in their own homes are extending their homes. You know, they, they don't want to move. They want to improve. They want to, or they want to get a house with a garden and then they'll add something into that garden. So those parts of the property s- sector, if you like, are booming. You know, there's a couple of companies I know that, that do garden furniture or they do garden offices and they've got, you know, 18 month, two year waiting lists because of the volume of work and they're recruiting people as fast as they can. They're, they're developing their factories. They're developing the logistics, you know, so all of that side of things um, is, is booming. Yeah. I, I think as well, one of the biggest money sources is growing all the time, uh, pension fund money. So mm-hmm. uh, SAS pension money. So it's people that are, are taking out uh, their own pension uh, and putting it into a SAS pension where they administer it themselves. Um, and uh, there's an awful lot of money. I've, I've done it with mine, and my money is out there working at mm-hmm. the moment far better than the uh, you know fraction of a percent that you would get elsewhere uh, for pension funds. So that's doing it. But I think as well, the changing face of the high street, we've spoken about this, retail, your local high street. So uh, the shop with, uh, normally it had kind of space above that was storage being converted into apartments mm-hmm. retain the shop below but but then you've got these big big city um, uh, retail spaces you know the big 100 200 500,000 square foot yeah. uh, retail uh, premises that are now empty or going to be empty it's going to be interesting seeing how they get developed because I think there's going to be a mixed use broken up fractured yep. Well, they are. There are there are many there are many companies out there who are wanting half a million square feet of prime city center uh, retail space because nobody's opening stores like that really yeah, at it. the moment. Well, in my in my hometown of Edinburgh, there's a there's a Debenhams store which is right in the middle of Princess Street and it overlooks Edinburgh Castle. It's got a fantastic outlook, 
Um, and just this week, they revealed plans to spend £75 million to develop that out into a hotel, living space and a rooftop bar and completely change it. So it's moving away from retail completely. And that's... I mean, yeah, you can't... First of many, exactly. But you can't be a rooftop bar in Scotland uh, for all those sunny days that you have, isn't it? You know, It has a fantastic southern outlook looking over the castle. It is a beautiful location. It really is. And, and hopefully a big umbrella. A big umbrella. And those, those patio heaters. Will be those out. patio heaters. Yeah, or those be... infrared lamps that cook you from the inside. Yeah, they'll, they'll, be... <laughs> they'll definitely have something. But the other thing yeah, they've got in Scotland is a lot of hot air. So there's a lot of hot air there as well <laughs> as they sit out chatting away. Oh, no, we're not going down the old Scottish politics route, are we? No, nope, we're not. We're not. No, all right. That's, that's okay. all right. So great, Ray. Looking forward to uh, our podcast episodes for 2021. Uh, thank you. Have we got any shout outs um, on, the, uh, on the review side, I think? Um, uh, I've got to say, whilst you're having a quick look for that, uh, I've just got to say thank you, everyone who has been listening to the How to Raise Money podcast uh, through 2020. We've had a kind of hit and miss year. Uh, tech has uh, thwarted us on a number of occasions because I, in my connection, I just couldn't do anything. Um, and all, obviously, we couldn't really meet up and record some episodes. So I'm so pleased that you've well, we're both really pleased that you've come back and started listening to us again. Thank you very much. If you are new to the podcast, thank you very much indeed. Uh, if you're enjoying it, please share it with uh, a friend or anyone else who's looking to raise some money for property or business ventures in 2021. Uh, we've got the book coming out uh, in 2021. So we'll, be, uh, we'll have the website. The links will be in the show notes. So have a look at that. Uh, if there's we are putting together some uh, freebies as well. So some quick guides, some interesting guides, some things that help you get kickstarted uh, in understanding how you go about raising money. That's all coming out. So have a look in the show notes there. The links will be there. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a fascinating year. And if you stick with us, give us a review, then you might get a shout out. Have we got any... Um, Anything there, Ray? Any reviews? Anyone we should yes, give we an honourable mention to? Yeah, we have a few, and they're five, five stars. Five, five out of five. stars. Fabulous. Um, great thank podcast. Thank you very much. To the Point says Peter Singh. Uh, Titan says, uh, thank you guys for what you do. Good quality content all the way through, presented in a relaxed, easy manner. Uh, a lot of good quality information that goes in there. Terrific podcast from Johnny Five. Really enjoying, full of valuable information and very entertaining too. There you go, Johnny Five. We will we will end it there. Ray, save some others for the next episode. But well, that there's is loads of them anyway. So yeah, on Apple Podcasts, if you give us a review, then we will give you a mention. So what we had, we had, did we have Peter? We had a Titan, and we had a Johnny Five in there. So hey, everyone, thank you so much. Five stars. You know, um, Apple may well have to install a sixth star for us what do you reckon <laughs> or am i getting too big-headed you're getting a bit yeah, too yeah yeah, a bit, yeah a bit too big-headed yeah absolutely but no we really do appreciate it glad you're enjoying it if there's anything as well so we'll put links in as well if you want to get in touch and say hey look i'd love to know more about this then let us know and we'll see if we can uh, do an episode about that so if, if there's something that you think we're missing we're missing a big trick or you feel that you would like to feature on the podcast because you've got a 
interesting story about how you went about raising money, what it's done for your business, all those sort of things. Again, have a look in the show notes, drop us a line, and we will uh, get in touch with you and, and have a chat. And who knows, you could be the next one on here on the How to Raise Money podcast with him. Ray McLennan. And me, Nigel T-Best. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye for now. All, All right. right. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. The website has all the useful links and underlying research, and you can get downloads of the checklists and other useful information. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?